0: Hello friends, this is Rob Webster and this is episode 14 of the podcast and today I'm interviewing, again, sort of, John Zenor, the Associated Press sports writer who covers the state of Alabama. Custer Road United Methodist Church presents The Story That Writes Us. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You may be surprised to see an episode, a new episode pop up in your podcast feed today. If you heard that little introduction I did, it might sound sort of familiar. John Zenor, actually, I interviewed him as part of episode 10, which interestingly enough, was the most listened to episode we've done yet of the podcast. And in episode 10, I recorded it in August, right before college football season started. I actually interviewed four people as a part of that episode. Believe it or not, I made a connection between um, our desire to root for our home team and really our longing for heaven. I know some of you might think it's a stretch, but I stand by it. Um, And I really do think that's how God has wired us. Uh, John was one of the people I interviewed. I met John years ago, we were in a Bible study together uh, at a a Methodist church in Alabama and we've remained friends ever since. I loved the conversation that I had with him uh, last August and I was only able to use some snippets of it in the episode uh, because we had three other people, but I thought his story was so good. He talks in this interview about how he came to be a sports writer and about how he really infuses his faith into everything he does and, and how he treats people. And he also talks about the importance of having a mentor. And it's it's really beautiful, in fact. And actually, I just got off the phone with him again. I wanted to see now as we wrap up the regular season of football uh, kind of what stories might have come about. So here's a guy who doesn't really write stories. He finds stories and then kind of reflects them back. It's an interesting thing for a storyteller when you have no control over the outcome of the story that you're telling. So at the very end of the podcast, uh, you're going to hear what we talked about as we kind of come to the end of the regular season of football, and we'll get his his thoughts and insights into into what's happened this season. But I think it's uh, going to be a really enjoyable interview. And so, um, John, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. Let's listen in. Well, first of all, can I cut to the chase on something? You are you cover sports for the Associated Press in the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. so that means you you just really just cover college football. Is that
1: it's uh, a—that's <laughs> a joke. Yeah, a yeah. lot uh,
0: basketball too lately. Yeah, that's true. There's been some basketball interest. Is this a busy time of year for you with uh, football season about to start, or, or is it kind of just always busy and always?
1: Pre-season seasons is busier than a lot of times than the actual season because the actual season everything is structured. You have you have Zoom, you have interviews with I do I cover Auburn, Alabama, and Ole Miss, so you have interviews at set times every single day and it's pretty organized now everything's everything changes day to day and uh, you're getting all your preseason stuff ready so the, the preseason is probably a little more hectic than the actual season not necessarily more hours but it's 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 a little less structured
0: I'm wondering what um, what compels you as a as a sports writer and what what makes you think yeah man this is this is a good story here what do, what do you get excited about? Um when you're writing something other than just stats,
1: you know sports is sports is a funny thing' As a fan the fans obsess about stats, especially in sports like like baseball and everything. Um, and and wins and losses. But for me, you if you can get to know the people and the stories behind those stats, I mean that is so much more interesting to me because because I mean i've've I've been doing sports writing for about thirty years, so I've covered, you know, umpteen dozen hundreds of games and everything and 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 they don't all stick with you but the people you meet the people you get to know the stories you get to tell about them they do stick with you and and it's great to see behind the scenes because you can see some who are who are super friendly and really charming and everything in front of the camera who are a little bit different off the camera and then you see some who are media shy and don't tweet a lot don't do all that aren't outgoing but then you meet them and they're just genuinely cool people and, 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 and I love that. I love that because that is, that is a privilege to be able to kind of get to know some of, these, some of these athletes and coaches and everything behind the scenes to know you don't, these days everything's kind of arm's length, so you don't get to know them as well as you used to. But it is, uh, I mean, that, that's fascinating to me. I'm, I'm more I love sports, but I have a curiosity about people that to me makes it even and more interesting.
0: Does it excite you to get to help them tell their story or help people get to know them?
1: It, it does. I think it, I think it's, I mean, I, I, I guess on, on, on several levels, levels. One, you don't want to write, you know, you don't want to take a a few short interviews or a few conversations and pretend like you really know somebody. So you kind of have to be, don't make them out to be a saint, don't make them out to be bad people, just kind of. Tell the story as as they present it to you, from and from your observations, and from what their family members, and coaches, and teammates say. It it, it is cool, and and honestly, you'd be surprised. I'll, I'll give you know one fairly recent example. Not not everybody in your deck of the woods know Will Anderson, Alabama linebacker. You see him, and and during COVID, you're talking to these guys on Zoom. You know, there's no real personal interaction there. And then you 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 talk to him on, in person or on the phone, and this guy is smiling, he's laughing, he's He's really personal, and you're like, I never would have really seen that side of him if if I hadn't gotten that that one-on-one time. That, that maybe these people's personality is a little different than what you see on the field, where they're all they're all business. As Will in particular calls it, it's his his football football Will. There's football Will, and then there's the one that's around his apartment, smiling at everybody and stuff. So that that's cool. I mean, I mean, you not you don't pretend to be friends with these people. You don't pretend to know everything about them. But the more people you talk to, the, the, the more real the picture you get. And it is cool. It's like if, if somebody says, you know, I didn't know that about him, that's cool. You did a good job. You did your homework. You you you, you did good interviews and everything. And, and that's cool if people find it because not everybody when they're in their 20s are, are, are interesting. Not every coach who's obsessed about their sport is all that interesting, but they all have interesting aspects to them that, that you've got to try to bring out.
0: Are there any that you don't have to try to bring it out because they're just so fascinating from the get-go? Uh,
1: are, there, are
0: those easier stories to tell, or is it more like there's no challenge to that because everybody knows this person and their story already?
1: Well, you know, but those are the people you kind of have to dig a little deeper because because some of what you know that they're so easy to bring out, that's kind of superficial, but everybody sees it. Um, if you can get a human side, and again, I'm in Alabama, so if you can get a human side to Nick Saban, And there, there are human sides to Nick Saban. You've, you, you know, you've done something. So there are definitely people in my career that I've just that always interesting, always fascinating to talk to. And there have been people I interviewed who were really powerful people in college football who would sit and talk to you for 30 minutes. You do an interview for 30 minutes, but before you even start the interview, they sit there and talk to you for 30 minutes. So you talk books, you talk favorite movies, TV shows, whatever, and get to know them on on a human level. I think the people who you think you know because they're so outgoing and so personal and so interesting, those are the ones you really have to kind of, as much as anything, you have to dig deep because you know there's other levels to them. There's other sides to them. That's interesting in and of itself to me. You know, there there are times, like at the end of a lot of interviews, I'll say, is there anything you want to add? And, and most people, unless they've got five other things, people clamoring for their time on, you know, most people will say, well, they'll think about it for a second, and a lot of times they do say something, and maybe they're kind of repeating what they said earlier, but they're they they vocalize it better, they articulate it better. How
0: did you how did you fall into this?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, I had I had done well in English. One of the my twelfth grade English teacher really praised my writing, encouraged it, and I'd never really thought about it. So when I had to go to free college orientation, you had to pick a, a department to visit, and I was just like. I don't have any skills, so I visited the journalism department, and and that's the perfect place to go if you don't have any any marketable skills. <laughs> um, and so it's 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 I still don't have any marketable skills, so this is this is the profession for me.
0: <laughs> Congratulations.
1: thirty something years later, yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>
0: All right. So I don't buy any of that, but that's but that's okay.
1: Well, I grew up a huge sports fan. NFL, the the Magic and Showtime, Lakers, um, Deming on the Dolphins, Troy Aikman and the Cowboys, Stallback and the Cowboys, all those folks just obsessed with sports. And I just remember, I mean, I I felt I I, I knew the sports editor, the, the local paper was got in Perry Ballard and I opened up every day and to see what he had to say. And I was just kind of it was just I mean back when people read the papers every day I mean that's that's what I did and and um and I, I've been right I've been writing short stories since I was like seven or eight years old I mean really bad ones uh, but I would write them and I enjoyed writing them and um, so it just seemed like a natural way to, to take two uh two loves two passions writing and, and sports and, and combine the two and, and it really has never felt like Thirty years later, it feels like I've never had to have a real job because I don't sit in an office from nine to five every day. Um, so sometimes, sometimes you know, you can plan and think all these things out, and God steers you in the right direction, and and that's where you stay.
0: Are there any stories in particular that stand out in your mind that you're really proud of, or that have really um, stayed with you over the length of your career? And you're like, man, that was an incredible experience or, or an incredible or your uh, a work you're particularly proud of.
1: Well, it's, it's been really cool to cover nine or 10, I don't remember what national championship football games. I mean, that's just, that's just a privilege. It's a privilege for the coaches and players to participate in them. It's a privilege for the media that gets to cover them. Individual stories. Um, I mean, there've been a couple about Nick Saban that I, I, I felt pretty good about. There's one about, um, I don't know if you remember former Alabama quarterback Brody Quarrell who grew up with uh, his his parents ran a, uh, his, his dad turned down an NFL contract to, to run a home for uh, troubled youth and and did that for for decades and, and helped them out and Brody's actually now running it. So I went up when he was, a you know, one of the high, top high school prospects in the country and wrote about that. And, and I thought that was really cool because I think somebody sent me a copy of the, the front page of the LA Times 2,000 miles away and it was it was uh, either 1A or, or 2A, I don't remember which. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was really cool and I, I don't know about individual stories. There have been certainly been some people I really enjoyed covering and, and writing about and it was easier back in the day because you, you got a lot more one-on-one time. You could do lunch, you could spend an hour with talking to a coach about life or whatever spend a lot more time in the office. It's a lot more impersonal now just by the number of demands on, on coaches and players times and how controlled it is.
0: What's it like, uh, trying to build a relationship with someone like Nick Saban and does he, uh, respect you? And, um, he's such an intimidating and looming figure in Alabama sports. Um, so (laughs) can can you tell me a little bit what that's like?
1: Covering, covering, people think that that covering Nick Saban would be so hard and it's terrible. Um, I think it's great. I think it's never boring. It's always interesting. He has, he has. I don't want to say it's a unique perspective because I think a lot of super high achievers have these their own. His word is process. I think they all have that. It's just, it's just fascinating to get in, in to, to listen and, and. And get into their, get a peek into their brains and how they work, because he's been super consistent in the stuff he, the attitude he takes, and the stuff he says. I think um, we've had a pretty good relationship. I think that uh, it's been harder since the pandemic, since I'm just not around him nearly as much as I used to be. I think sometimes people think when he's yelling at the media that he's mad at the media, but most of the time, if he is he's he might be mad at a silly question or a poorly worded question. I mean, that happens. I mean, nobody nobody words the perfect question. But a lot of times he's sending a message to his fans and he's sending a message to his team. Right. He's not really, and he tell you that. He's not really mad at, at that. And every once in a while you ask him something and you get called back to his office and, and we've always had pretty civil conversations the one or two times that, that hasn't happened often. But I, he tells me his perspective, I tell him mine and 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 everything is good. i am just like I mean my thing that I told him is don't you know, just don't hold a grudge, because just doing a job—it's not personal. So I don't know that we have—we're not ever going to be close. But i, I think there's—I don't—I I, I, at least he's neutral about me <laughs> and, and about a lot of us. And sometimes neutral is better than the is is better than the alternatives. Because it, it, if it's somebody who's hard to get to know, hard to uh, get close to, then then neutral is not. So bad, and that's probably about where I stand. Do you do you
0: have any thoughts about? And I think I mentioned this to you before, but sociologically with sports, um, it's it's fascinating to me. And I know a lot of people have analyzed this back when you know, um, you know, you'd have warring tribes and villages or whatever, and they'd send their champions out to do battle. Is there is there something innate in humanity where we we need to have these battles in these arenas somehow and a tribalism that develops what I, 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 I don't even know what I'm asking but I, but do you have thoughts kind of philosophically about why sports matters so much to people?
1: Oh uh, I mean that's a that's a that's an interesting um, interesting concept to, to try to get your wrap your arms around cause it, it, it's it's pretty deep. Good job um <laughs> the i i mean gosh comp- competitive i mean how how long have the how, how many hundreds of years ago was the marathon around i right. mean people running 26.2 miles or whatever just to how does that even become a thing i think there's innate competitiveness and innate something people need something to rally around and and support and make themselves feel good i mean and, and, and I, I mean I think I don't know I think I do think we're wired to to be passionate about stuff we're wired we need stuff to occupy our mind to, to, to celebrate to uh, to mourn over uh, depending on who you cheer for and what happened in the game I, I I mean I think sports are so intertwined with with who we are and 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 how we relate to each other it's something to talk about Lord knows you're a lot less likely these days to, to have a serious argument over sports than you are politics. And I used to think, I, and that's not always the way it was in the state of Alabama around the Iron Bowl and everything, but now it's it's more fun for most people. Um, I, I've always said that that one thing about my job is I'm, I'm happy that I'm not unhappy the next day. My mood, whatever happened on the game, and in my profession, my mood's going to be the same. i got a job to do. i got a team to cover. I have to adapt to the circumstances of, of a team that, that lost when they weren't supposed to or won when they weren't supposed to. And, and I, do kind of, I do kind of appreciate not letting my sports dictate my mood one way or the other. Um, that's an adjustment from growing up and everything. But I, I don't know. Why, why do people watch MMA and boxing, which I'm a huge MMA and boxing fan? They're brutal sports but just the mano a mano the competitive nature of it i think it's i mean i i think um it it grabs something in us and and i, I don't really have an intelligent answer to that but i'll probably spend the rest of the day thinking about it
0: um yeah you know I, as i as i think about us as as christians and believers and and what it, what it means to feel a part of a community too whether it's in like you said whether it's in victory or in grief there is something uniting uh, about it i was at right. um kentucky in 1992 uh, I was not a basketball fan when I went to Kentucky. It was Rick Pitino's first year as a coach there. And Christian Leitner sank that shot uh, in the tournament that just killed every hope and dream. And for, right. for three days walking around that campus, there was a palpable depression. It, it, it really was real. And I don't know that a sports, I didn't, I wasn't a huge sports fan growing up, but I don't know that I've ever felt that from a sports loss before. But at the same time, it was uniting for the campus. We all felt this grief together. Um, and so it was really, it was fascinating just to kind of be there in the midst of that and to observe, uh, to observe what happened there. It was devastating. I hate Christian Leitner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you, you can look around, anytime you can look around and see people who are feeling the same thing as you are, it makes you feel closer to them, whether it's, whether it's good or bad.
0: How does your faith play into this? And as a storyteller, um, as well, um, if, if it does at all, and I don't mean to say, it, it doesn't. I think anybody who gets up and, and does their work dutifully as one unto the Lord, right. As the scriptures would teach us, uh, is, is living out their faith. But are there any thoughts you have, uh, on, uh, on a faith journey and God's calling in this?
1: I think that, um, I, 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 think you, you hit the nail on the head that, that if you do your job to the best of your ability, you treat everybody fair. You try to be balanced, try to be open and honest, try to, uh, then then you you're doing it in a godly way if you're interviewing somebody in in my profession i think there is a we tend to commoditize athletes and coaches and other other people in the public light and not and and i think that the christian in me says i'm never going to forget this person that i'm talking to as a human being i'm not going to make a snarky comment that's that their parents or their wife or whatever is going to see and say that's so mean and unfair um, i think that that they appreciate the fact that you just treat them as a human being and 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 a lot of times you know i mean that 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 to me kind of guides how you go about your your business a, on a, on a day-to-day basis and, and sometimes if your job isn't isn't faith-based that's that's the best way you can do to, to carry your faith into your profession is just to how you treat people um, how you work to do the, the best most balanced job that you can um, and that you're fair and I don't I don't know how it's then and and when people do athletes coaches they all thank God all the time and, and they talk about that and some of them are really sincere Um You know, I don't want to not create that side of, to express that side of it, Um, but if if it's, if, because sometimes some of those people, you know that the way they live their life is not that way. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's, most of them I'm saying, but there's been times where you knew this person's not real sincere, but you, if you think you're, if you think they're sincere and you know, you, you, you try to present that and they, you don't, not write it because you're, you know, not put it in there because you're a cynic or anything, which I think is probably what some sports writers do. If, if it's something that's really important to somebody, then you write about it and you try to do it in a in a uh, uh, um, a fair way because you think it genuinely is important to them. But just because somebody says, I, "I just, you know, I just want to thank God," you know, they're not always meaning it, but you hope that they do. Right. Uh, and 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 if they're not at that time, you know, people grow into it. At least it's on their radar. At least it's something they're they're conscious of. And they can grow just like the rest of us can grow. So, um, But I'm fascinated when, when athletes and coaches and stuff start talking about that because it is important to me. And sometimes the ones that talk about it the most are, are the least mature in their faith walk. But they're trying. Um, and the ones who are, who are a little more reserved about it, you know, it's nice to get them to open up about that because it's important to them. It's important to me too.
0: That's a great perspective. Thanks for that, by the way, because I, I think, I think in anything we do, I I mean, I think you see how there can be um, corruptions that occur in, in your business. And like you said, when people become a commodity, um, they, they can be corrupted too. So I just appreciate your integrity to say, Hey, I, I, I want to, kind of lean against that <laughs> instead of lean into well, that. We
1: try, we try, you know, sometimes you fail, sometimes you do a good job of it.
0: Yeah, no, but that's good that you, that you're, you, you always have that conscious check, I think to, to say this is a real person with real relationships, real family. Um, and, people um, people
1: know when you're treating them like a human being sure, and they know when you're not too, when you, when you're just reacting to their tweets or other tweets or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I've talked to players out in the hall after they had interviews that made me uncomfortable and, and, uh, you know, I'm not apologizing. I don't apologize for anybody else's questions or anything. Cause that's their business. That's their, but you can tell that they appreciate that you didn't pounce on them. Hmm. Um, yeah. And she said, thanks for, thanks for taking our questions and all that or whatever.
0: So football season's kicking off pretty soon here. What are you, what are you looking forward to most uh, about this season?
1: Uh, I mean, I haven't done this for so long. I'm, I, it's, so, it's, it's fun to spend a summer and an offseason reading predictions and making your own predictions and, on how things are going to go and, and just seeing – I love seeing how it plays off. out. I, I love seeing who's going to develop – who's going to take huge strides as a player, um, a team, a coach. You know, you see every year some coach that's been on a hot seat, they turn their fortunes completely around. Um, I just I just like to see the storylines develop. I mean, obviously the teams that I cover, Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, it's it's um, you know, are all in very different situations, but there are definitely scenarios that are fun to watch with each. I just I, I I'm just a curious person. I wanna see I don't want to spend a lot of time handicapping how things are gonna turn out or predicting how they will. I just like to I like to I mean, I'm an observer, I'm a sports writer, I'm not a, a soothsayer or anything. I just like to see how they turn out and it And I'm always curious and I always like to kind of evaluate what I thought going into the season and then what reality turns out to be Um, because nobody really knows. And I I love that aspect of it. You have to actually watch the season to figure out how things are going to turn out. Predictions are just fun. Everything that people are saying now is just fun. That doesn't mean things are going to happen that way.
0: Is there, a, is there a, a season in particular that you were pleasantly surprised maybe at how things turned? Not, not as a sports fan, but more just as a writer, where it's like, wow, that was a story I didn't see coming and uh, that you remember being really pleasantly surprised at?
1: Well, I don't know that pleasantly surprised, but I think the 2010 Auburn team that, that went on to win the national championship came out of nowhere, and, and Cam Newton turned into the most dynamic player in college football. Coming from some junior college after getting kicked out of Florida, um, that from a football standpoint was just uh, amazing to watch this transformation. And obviously, he was—it was, it was a incredible to watch his performances during the season. And it wasn't all fun and games because there was there was some scandal involved there, and a lot of reporting, and that kind of that kind of took over parts of the season. Um, so that was. That was not pleasant. That was not fun, but it was it was it was not boring either. It was it was interesting to watch and interesting to see everybody's different perspectives on it. Um, so that was one of the most fascinating seasons I've had it was the two thousand and ten Auburn national championship uh, season. There've been there've been there've been plenty of others. Um, you know, Alabama kind of spoils everybody now because you know they're going to be good. You don't know if they're going to win eleven games, twelve, thirteen. You don't know if they're going to win, national championship or finish second or third. Um, so you know they're gonna be good. There's not quite as much mystery going into Alabama seasons, but but it's fun when they when when they do surprise you when and when different teams do surprise you. Does
0: it does it make it a little boring just knowing that Alabama's gonna be
1: good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I tell you you gain some pers- perspective because in reports and fans do it when the sky they think the sky is falling. Alabama had, I think there were there were headlines that dynasty is over when Alabama lost to Ole Miss a few years ago. I don't remember the season, but they had six. But I had to sit there in my head and say, wait, they had six turnovers in this game, and they still lost by like five points or something. I don't remember the exact. Yeah. Um, But people were writing that the dynasty was dead. So I think I think and and a lot of times Alabama can lose in September October and and end up having one of the, the best teams. Sure. By the end, the teams can grow from a loss. So yeah, there's there's not a lot of mystery in whether they're gonna contend for SEC or national title. We know they will, but you don't you can't take for granted how it's gonna go. They might have a loss like they did with Texas A&M last year that right. uh, nobody really saw coming. And and every season is fascinating. With with Alabama, the, the the goal is not to overreact. Not to say these guys are unbeatable. They're not gonna because because the teams that look unbeatable in September often get beat um and the teams that are that are struggling at times in september or early october can can really um evolve and, and come together and evolve and like that alabama team the other day last year so that i still remember that and and glad i did not like jump off a cliff in my reporting or something and say that you know they're done yeah um like which is kind of the knee-jerk reaction anytime alabama loses it's like it's the dynasty over Right, right. Well, no, probably not. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> All right, I need to just give you a side tangent here. I asked John when we recorded this last August if he would give an introduction to David Housel. David was another one of my guests on that podcast episode, and I didn't use John's introduction just because the episode was running so long and I didn't really have time for it, but David Housel was very important to John, and so I wanted to include John's introduction to David Housel here in this episode. First of all, it's important to John's story. Uh, but also I love what he just has to say about the importance of, of being seen and being believed in by someone. So this is how, uh, when I asked John, Hey, give me an introduction to David Housel. This is what he had to say.
1: Uh, I mean, David Housel was, he took me under his wing when I was a student, uh, young, kind of, I don't even want to say aspiring sports writer. I mean, you're working for a school paper. You're, you you do not know a hundredth of what you think, you know, and I interviewed him for a story for the Auburn Plainsman school newspaper, and and by the end of it, he was he was offering me a job at the athletic department, and and really um, just saying and and this kind things to me, and um, finally making me think, wow, that that you know that made me feel good, um, and I went to work for him at the athletic department and uh, at Auburn, and. Um, and he got me all kinds of freelancing gigs. He he mentored me. He introduced me to everybody. He he. And now it's uh, thirty years later, and he's still he's still a mentor. I still talk to him sometimes. Um, I presented when he was the Alabama Sports um, Hall of Fame, Alabama Sports Association Hall of Fame. I I got to present. He he couldn't make it there, but uh, I got to you know do the presentation for him. And I could have talked for hours about the impact that he's had on me. And I know he still has on, on sports writers to this day, even though he's retired. He's, he's still an institution in, in Auburn athletics and Alabama sports journalism. Um, so he had a huge impact on me and, and still does. And he still, I still try to um, conduct myself in, in, in a way that would, would make him proud.
0: Well, he is proud because I asked him about, I asked him about you the other day.
1: He's, he's way too kind. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. He's way too kind. He always is.
0: Well, that was my interview with John, and uh, I'm so grateful for his friendship and for everything that he had to share. And now, let's, uh, let's go to John. And uh, that interview, like I said, it was recorded before football season started, and now the regular season is wrapping up. The Alabama-Auburn game, the Iron Bowl, is always a big game in the state of Alabama. So before that game gets played, let's get John's thoughts on how the season has gone. Hey, Rob. Hey John, we just had a chance to uh, to listen to the interview that we recorded last August. Have Have you in your in your job? Have you enjoyed the season? We kind of heard you in the preseason, and you said you love the storylines and seeing how they unfold and all that.
1: Every football season I've ever covered, and going on probably you know twenty five plus at this point, is is different. You know, you go in, you you think you know what to expect, and and you're never right. I mean, not all together. I mean, if you make 20 guesses, you're going to be right once, and that's going to be the only guess you remember making. Yeah. Uh, the one that makes you look smart. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting season. It's been different. I mean, the two games that Alabama lost, the way they lost them, I mean, it's it's just, you know, you don't see that very often. Yeah. And Auburn firing a coach midseason, that, has, that hasn't that has happened. I mean, they had one leave in Terry Bowden back in 93, uh, 94 or so. Mm-hmm. But but to fire a coach in midseason—that's become a norm now around college football. But in the past, it's been pretty unheard of. And then, it, just from an SEC perspective, to see what LSU and Tennessee have done, what Ole Miss has continued to do, what Georgia—I mean—haven't missed a beat just by losing like 15 or 16 NFL draft picks. Been, it's been—it's been fun to watch, and that's just—that's just. I'm in the SEC country, so that's what I pay attention to. But right. even just from that limited perspective, it's been—it's been a wild ride. And yeah. college football seasons usually are.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, happy Thanksgiving to your friend.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, and enjoy the time with the family.
0: And yes, and to your to your wife too. I uh, I really uh, appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. Great catching up with you, bro. And I appreciate your faith and how you how you live it out and what you do, and um, just sharing a little bit of insight into into your world. So thanks for thanks for being a part of the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Ron. Appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, man. The Story That Writes Us is produced at Custer Road United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas, and if you are ever in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can always watch online at crumc.org slash live, and we'd love to welcome you as a part of our family. Thanks for listening.